Welcome back, everyone. We're a little late. Let me explain to you what happened. So, I got sick. We intended to record on Sunday. Our boy MVO hits me up. He's like, when's the next podcast? I said today. And then I didn't do that because I got very sick. Now, there's good news and bad news. The bad news is that, like, I was, like, actually very sick and uh, hated my life and all that stuff. The good news is it's not COVID. But that could also be bad news, too, because I don't know what it is that I got. But I feel much better now. Um, I think I, I, I feel like I sound sick still. I don't know if it's coming across. You definitely sound a little congested. Uh, yeah. So, but I mean, Lex, you were sick last week, but you deserved it. I'm kidding. <laughs> I deserved I'm kidding. it. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yo, you know, okay, so check this out. Just for anyone questioning my sickness levels, I stepped on a scale yesterday for the first time in a while, and yeah. I lost 20-something pounds. Now, what you mean to say is that you've been smoking crack the last two weeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Me and Hunter Biden. <laughs> you and Hunter Biden, that's, that's really what you've been doing, right? That living the life, the Hunter Biden lifestyle. Yeah, just, you know, me and my dog, Hunter. (laughs) Yo, I mean, this is not a politics podcast, but on on some level, it's like, man, this dude is, you got to admire this guy, the the, the audacity of this guy. Anyway. I'm just um, reacting to the tweets. The tweets are out there with with the footage. It is what it is. I mean, I don't think he's like, he, he doesn't have an important role to my knowledge, so. I mean, I don't, like, I don't know too much about him. All I know is that he's got a lot of videos with him and escorts. Yeah, he's just like <laughs> some guy on his Charlie Sheen shit. Like, it's all good, you know? Like, if hey, that's how you want to live your life. There, your there's life, a reference you, showing your not, age. You throwing out yeah. Charlie Sheen? Charlie Sheen? I feel like most listeners of this podcast will have to know Charlie Sheen's exploits. Of this podcast, but like, you know... That doesn't mean that all of the listeners, or I mean, there's like a whole generation of people that don't know the whole like winning shit. Well, if you don't know Google, the whole Charlie Sheen thing, I'm sure there's someone who like does a nice recap on YouTube of how insane he was. Which is, uh, I mean, we're like going to get off topic if I go on a rant about YouTube. So let's just (laughs) uh, stop there and then we'll reorient ourselves to boxing. So... Ray Vargas this past weekend, he he mops up Mark Magsayo. To some people, that was quite a surprise. To others, not. We're not going to talk about that. All I will say is congratulations to Ray Vargas. I, I, over the course of his career, have never enjoyed watching that guy fight. I did enjoy Saturday's fight. I mean, not like fight of the year enjoy, but I was like, all right, you know, this, I'm satisfied with the time I spent watching boxing today, capped off by this fight. Mark Magsayo as one di- one-dimensional as he's ever been. And a, a large part of that, Ray Vargas deserves the credit. Brandon Figueroa. Can I just say real quick that Mark yeah, yeah. Magsile is one of like the funniest boxers. Like some of the what? punches he sets up look like something out of like a like Tekken Eddie Gordo combination or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like he fights like if someone told him like, "Hey, have you ever seen Deontay Wilder fight?" <laughs> have you seen the way Deontay sleeps, guys? Mike Sile, yes, I have. They're like, you know you got that kind of power too, right? Like, you only need one. And Mike Sile was like, bet. <laughs> so this dude is out here trying to falcon punch his way to victory. And, like, you just see, like, you, 
especially in the lighter weight classes, like you can bring all the power you want to the game, but like that don't mean you're going to have that level of success. And that dude clearly re hopefully realizes at this point, cause he's, he's got a, he's got a lot going for him, except his, his IQ is like on the, we're, we're talking room temp level in the ring. Not, not, you know, I don't know. I mean, his boxing IQ, like that dude seriously needs to reevaluate how he thinks about the game because just landing that one big shot, especially against a guy as big and rangy as Vargas, not a recipe for success. All right. And then on the undercard, Brandon Figueroa, he beat up Carlos Castro. I mean, like, that, I feel like that's one of those fights where that's an appropriate approximation of what happened is like, yeah, I mean, he really just beat him up, you know? And then uh, the opener. Were you okay with the stoppage? Yeah. I mean, th that was going to happen either way. Like, you could just tell. Castro didn't have nothing like I mean you think about it okay Brandon Figueroa is basically Michael Myers like Castro needed a bat to stop that dude from walking forward in on him and so it was all a matter of time and it probably would have even been that round and then uh what was the opener um uh Frank Martin yeah Frank Martin looked pretty good decent uh step up for him and then he pulls out the stoppage in the in the tenth round. I mean, really, just a systematic breakdown. Not much I really had to say assessment wise for that. And so, all that out. I guess we should talk about Derek Chisora. Did you watch the Chisora fight? Like the last four or five rounds. Oh, so you actually saw when it got pretty decent because it wasn't <laughs> like that early in the fight. I mean, like if you saw those pictures of Derek Chisora training, or like that dude just looked like either he had literally. Like that, that picture, that one picture that I'm sure everybody's thinking of, Derek Chisora is like the human embodiment of your phone being on 1%. Like that dude was struggling in that picture. And that fight was a struggle early on. But I mean, he got the victory over Kubrat Pulev, which I mean, the, the takeaway I keep seeing everywhere online and I, and I agree with it is it's like, congratulations, Derek Chisora. Now both of you should retire. So geriatric to me. Well, they both did like, you know, when there's like old people like walking and, and you look at them and you're like, man, if they just like fell over, their like whole body would just shatter. Chisora like, and Pulev both looked so old and like beat up and shop worn. Like, I, I feel that like not Deontay Wilder, right? But any solidly big puncher landing clean on Chisora could potentially end his life. Not, I'm not I don't, trying to be funny. I mean... I don't know about that. Like, it's a little hyperbolic, but I get the sentiment. The th but the thing that I was thinking about when you said that, and is like, I mean, like, this is not supposed to be a serious podcast, um, but it is kind of a serious topic, I guess. Um, you know, when they, they do the studies on the brains of these dudes who were like in football or wrestling and they do this like crazy shit. And then they examine the brain and it's like, yeah, this dude was, you know, 43 years old, but his brain was that of like an 87 year old Alzheimer's patient. Yeah. I really wonder, like on some level, you do take a, a fighters who are really shop worn and like they start to at in their late thirties look a lot older than they actually are. And I, I you know, it's probably a, in large part because of the damage they've taken and it's like the manifestation of that now i'm no scientist okay so if you're one of those people that's like oh you know that's a lot of fooey or whatever you know maybe 
All right, you don't. Everything we say here, you don't have to take seriously. It's not the truth. We 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 speak in a particular way to be entertaining, you know. But like, you know, what do we know? All right, believe what you want to believe, and if you like what we believe, you know, or what we say, that's cool. Um, but I do want to say before we get into everything, what we're doing today, we are giving out the first half of the year awards. Okay, but I want to thank our Patreon community. Thank you to all of you guys for really keeping the community alive. There are times when doing the podcast seems, um, you know, it can it can drag, especially right now. I've had I got somebody message me saying, "Good fucking luck producing content right now. There's nothing going on." And to an extent, that is true. But like you guys really make it easy to do this. So thank you guys. Um, <clears throat> so we should have did we should have did two hour podcast dedicated to Jake Paul and. Rock man, <laughs> you were at the. You want to tell everybody what you were doing yesterday? So I pulled up to the press conference, third row seats in, sitting in front of Logan Paul and Julia Rose. I think. Are you bigger than Logan Paul? I didn't get a chance to stand next did, to him. You did lose twenty five pounds, but I, I will say that like his energy seemed pretty cool. He seemed like pretty chill. He wasn't like out there being ridiculous and obnoxious. Uh, Jake Paul's girlfriend was being a little more like, like whatever, like saying like random shit. And it was just like, all right, like chill. You don't know what you're talking about. A little, uh, Mrs. Jermel Charlo-ish. Uh, like maybe even worse. Like you, like, so, okay. At the end of the press conference, Rockman's crew did some, like, it was like some like Muslim prayer type of deal. Like it sounded like they were reading like out of like the Quran or something like that, but they were saying it all in unison. Mm -hmm. And she was like, what is that? Like, what are you even talking about? Like, uh, and I was like, what? Like, chill, lady. Like, <laughs> you're violating, like, what sounds like a religion to me. Yeah, I mean, there's like a few, like, th there's just neutral territory in the uh, the gamesmanship of, I guess you could say, combat and sports and, and one or the other. And, like, I feel like prayer is one of the things, like, you don't really need to be speaking on what the other team is doing at that point. Yeah, she was like, what did she, she said, like, you, what you guys believe in is fake or something. I was like, whoa, yo, you're like yo. tiptoeing into like dangerous territory. I mean, it's not shocking that she's with Jake Paul. I mean, Jake Paul is one of those <laughs> Elon Musk uh, nuts. So, I mean, like, you know, birds of a feather. But still, I do think that that is like an, you know, one of those off, just hands off areas. But anyway, you were at the press conference. Um, yeah, so like you really have no place to talk because you actually could probably talk for two hours. I mean, like, there's not much to say about the press conference, right? Like, no, Jake I'm not Paul's asking you to. I'm just saying that you you really have no legs to stand here when you're out here throwing out this idea as a joke, but you actually could. I suppose I could, but like, do we really want to bore the listeners with Jake Paul and Rockman breakdowns? I don't think so. No, nah, they want to hear about your exploits with Hunter Biden. <laughs> yeah. Tell us about the strip clubs that you were at during spring break, two thousand and seven. That's that's we gotta say that for a Patreon episode. Um. All right. So what we're doing today, we're handing out awards for the first half. Now, again, what we say, if this offends you, if you disagree with that, here's a solution: sign up for our Patreon. One dollar gets you in. You get in the chat. You can argue out your points with us, and we do get in there and we break it down with everyone. Uh. So if you want to do that, that's cool. Um, don't come at me on Twitter. Twitter's not a good place to argue about anything. All right. 
Now that's you know I'm, I'm just kind of joking, okay? Uh, but really, we're trying to have fun with this, okay? So don't take everything super serious here. We're trying. To, the way I'm looking at this is like, look, you can listen to ten podcasts that'll tell you, you know, oh well, this was the most excellent fight of the year because you know X many power punches landed. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, but let's talk about the things that you might have forgot, okay? So Lex, let's go down the list of awards we want to give out. For the first half of the year, why don't you kick us off? Pick any award you want. Off my list or off your list? You don't have my list. You're right. I don't. <laughs> All right. Let's do. Uh, let's set it off with fighter that had the best glow up. For glow those up. that don't know, yeah. What in is the urban up? in the in the LDBC community? <laughs> just kidding. In the hip hop community, the term <laughs> glow up means, you know, maybe you weren't super hot at one point but very quickly you glowed up and then like things were looking good for you you started making some money uh you dated a really hot chick like some like things are starting to look up for you so who would you say in the first half of the year had the best glow up that's that's a really good uh that's a good one i like that one a lot um why don't you go first since it's your award while i think about it yeah, these are tricky because we're going to be going off top. Um, that's that's fine though. That's fine. Um, like a, a name that comes to mind, maybe um, like you're going to clown me because I don't remember dude's name, but the kid that beat Chris Colbert. Oh, Hector, Hector, something. Let's see. I'm gonna box. I'm a boxer at Chris Colbert. But while I'm doing this, Hector. we're we're talking about a guy who went from like. No one gives a f about dude, and no one has really heard about this dude. To like now, he's kind of on the map. He had like a huge win against Hector like a Garcia. hot prospect that people were looking at as like someone that potentially could go up against Shakur and maybe beat him. Like to me, that's like the true definition of like glow up. Is like he really came up from nothing. Um, I, I but there really... may be better options. There may be someone sure. that like hits me up. We want to hear. Patreon. It's like, how did you forget this guy? I'm not perfect. We, I'm not going to remember everybody. We definitely want to hear uh, what you guys got to say about all of these ones. And we're going to go through a lot of ones. A lot. Hector <clears throat> Luis Garcia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That That's a really good pick. But there may be another. You, you know who I was also thinking about picking is Pitbull Cruz. Like, Pitbull Cruz is another guy who went from, like, like just like a random PBC fighter that's kind of exciting to, like, tank opponent. To now, I feel like he's on the cusp of being, like, I, I think a pretty big deal, depending on, like, how his next fights play out. But he but he hasn't had, like, a hallmark win this year, so I don't want to, like, pick him above uh, our boy Hector. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I can think of a couple other ones that I would give this to, but I do think Hector Garcia definitely deserves it, like, just the spotlight alone. Because this dude really has come around. I'll Ooh, throw a... I have another one. Can I throw it in or you want to keep yeah, going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Real quick, maybe we should be picking Devin Haney for this. So that's what I was thinking too. But like, because that was the first one that came to mind. But I think De for Devin, he like how far has he actually gone from where he was last year? Well, the interesting thing, right, is like, the money is probably similar. The level 
full of opposition is similar, but because he decided to take that like weird deal with the Bella and top rank. Now he's on, fighting on ESPN. He's undisputed at 135, and he's in the, the mix with, like, they're talking about him versus Lomachenko potentially being next, him versus Shakur maybe in the future, probably not next. So, like, while the money is similar, I do think that, like, he has probably launched himself to be on a better trajectory than he was last year. Yeah. Um, I would counter with saying that I think Shakur deserves to be like glow up of the year more than Devin Haney. I think Hector Garcia clearly by far, I mean, the way he came in and, and just whooped Chris Colbert and like really just beat the fight out of him. That from a guy who was unknown to now a guy that's, uh, you know, going to be fighting in, in, for uh, a, 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 the actual legit title soon. That one deserves it. But I think Shakur's uh, trekked more ground than Devin Haney has because Shakur went from, all right, you beat Jamel Herring to he's on everyone's pound for pound list at this point. Pretty much. And yeah, he, he's, he's, and, and he unified titles. He's not undisputed. But I, I mean, I, I really, he doesn't need that. That's the thing. Like, that's, that speaks to how good Shakur is and how far he's come is that whether he unified or not, um, he's still going to be recognized higher than Devin Haney. I think that's valid. I think that Shakur is a pretty good pick, honestly. But but Hector Garcia certainly deserves it. Let let me let me uh, hit you with the what what would we call the reverse glow up? The reverse. What is the the opposite of glow up? I mean, you could say like fell off. Um, I would just say fell off. Like, like, I mean, there might be a good award to give out, like biggest. No, fall I'm off. gonna give it out right now. The Your two, biggest fall off. <laughs> it, but I mean, I need a word for it. Like, who? Like, we need, like, the biggest, like, guy who's tanked their career, and it's no doing but their own. The award goes to Edgar Berlanga. <laughs> I didn't think you were gonna go with Berlanga. That's funny. Yeah, it's a little soon. It's a little early to go. To, to start swinging for the fences here. But like, if you think about like, even I was starting to buy into the hype of not buy into the hype. Cause I knew that this dude couldn't really fight. Or at least we had no indication that he could with the knockout streak. But I, I, I liked the gimmick of it. I, Cause like people got mad at top rank for doing this. I'm like, what are you guys talking about? They've, they've struck gold here and people are like eating it up. And I'm sure like you've probably had casuals or, or just, you know, g- general sports fans, like, mentioned Berlanga to you and uh he finishes 2021 a little on the rocks but still you could see in that Steve Rolls fight that he still had a lot of the momentum there and then he like goes to decision with Steve Rolls goes to decision with Alexis Angulo and at this point it's like yeah the wheels have all fallen off the wagon here and it's now like how do they navigate this guy to at least a title shot where they can make some money off of him one last time Cause it, you know, it's just... crazy because like my biggest takeaway with Berlanga was like, we went from talking about a future Canelo and Ber- Benavidez opponent. Yes. And now you would like be insane to put Benavidez or Canelo in the same sentence as Berlanga. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, you, you sound like somebody who's just like, you sound overly mean if you're doing that, like, he, cause he doesn't belong in that conversation. 
it's not even like below it's like he, he's not good enough like people thought he may be good enough and could make like a nice little puerto rico versus mexican like banger at some point but like it would be like putting like jake paul and Usyk in the same combo it's like nah dog like nah but i would much. take jake paul there <laughs> no but here's the thing okay what this situation with Berlanga makes just so clear and like listener please never forget this and i want you to notice this okay just because it happens all the time but when you see the mechanism when you see the string when you learn that there's strings holding up the puppets it's so easy to see it every time afterwards this is what knockouts do and knockouts make people lose their minds and berlonga is a case of like people lost their minds like this dude was knocking out a dude ulysses sierra and and they were throwing this guy's name in the same conversation as canelo and it's like dude no come on so knockouts make you crazy all right lex give us the next award next award let's do the list up again most unfairly criticized fighter how about that most unfairly criticized fighter who do you got i had someone in my mind for this one when i wrote the question down but i can't remember most unfairly criticized fighter Damn, who did i have can you think of, do you have one off top or no you gotta think a little bit um yeah i do actually I think, you going with? I think it's Caleb Plant. That may have been who I had in my mind. Now, the thing is, the, the things that you could actually criticize Caleb for, you don't hear being brought up that often. All you hear about is the Canelo stuff. And like at the end of the day, the dude got in the ring with Canelo, was going tick for tack with him, with uh, you know, really showed that that dude, like he had skills, was really doing things that Canelo wasn't totally comfortable with and was getting frustrated with. Okay, did he win the fight? Nah, but like, no one expected Caleb to win. Period. So like, you know, there's that. But like, at like after the fact, like you've seen dudes get knocked out, like, and brutally outclassed, and they get less criticism than a guy like Caleb Plant. There are things to criticize Caleb for, but it certainly has nothing to do with the Canelo fight. That's for sure. Who do you got? I'm gonna stay in the same like weight range, but I'm not going to stay at 168. I'm going to go down a division and I'm going to throw Jamal Charlo in there. Um, Jamal Charlo to me is probably the most criticized fighter in boxing at the moment. And it just is kind of ridiculous because like they say like, Oh, he like, why doesn't he fight anyone? But all the good fights are, have been at the zone for, for a while. Why doesn't he fight Andrade, who has been at DAZN, and PBC and DAZN are just not going to work together. So to pick on Charlo for that is kind of, it's like, all right, like, let's move on to the next topic. Then well, the thing about that is that if you actually just follow what's happening, you can see that fights, like, they are trying to make these fights. And they're not happening for one reason or the other, but, like, to blame him, I think, is a little crazy. I mean, I think Andrade gets a little bit of criticism that he doesn't uh, fully deserve. So, But, like, Andrade's stuff is very much, in my opinion, self-inflicted. Like, 
Jamal, like you just mentioned, they try to make good fights. They tried to make the Canelo fight. It's not Jamal's fault that Canelo wanted to go fight Bivol, which was really silly. They tried to make um, Munguia and Golden Boy kind of like cock block. That's not Jamal's fault. Then it's like, oh, why does Jamal fight Benavidez or Plant? Like, bro, he's the WBC belt holder 160. Neither of those guys have belts. Well, Benavidez just got one. But, like, why would you abandon your position at 160 to go into, like, really hard fights without a warm-up fight at, at a higher division? And a, a, a division that's – to make the transition from 60 to 68 is pretty hard. You don't see it too often. So, I mean, I just think the, the criticism on Jamal is, is pretty harsh and unnecessary. All right, let me hit you with the next award. The award for the worst interpretation, or sorry, not interpretation. The award for the worst Ric Flair impersonation goes to Blair Cobbs. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, that could only go to one person. <laughs> a lot and of my awards could on only go to one glow person. Downs, real quick, on the topic of glow downs, yeah. you might have to put his name in there. Okay. I have another award that is related to this. Okay. So... There's an award that I want to give out for the best. Um, what do they call it when you have like a gap on your resume? The the best unexplained resume gap also goes to Blair Cobbs, who to this day, we do not know why he did not box for almost three years. He has like a three-year gap in his in his uh, resume. Apparently, they were, were holding him back. The They is never really explained who that is. But um, and, and also Blair Cobbs is all but like disappeared at this point. Um, but yeah, goes in, talks his way into the Alexis Rocha fight. Somehow people thought that Blair Cobbs should be considered a welterweight prospect, and then uh, yeah, he took a beating. That's, that's the only way to say that. He got, I mean, like like that Adrian Broner uh, clip. That's super possible. He got cooked. Yeah, and, and it was always going to be really bad because I. You just watch him, and he doesn't have a lot of the fundamental skills that you like. This is something that I feel like it's easy to overlook, but like you have to have fundamental skills like drilled into you so that when the going gets tough, like you know, you get hurt, you can like just fall back on your fundamentals that'll keep you safe so that you can weather the storm or at least give yourself a chance to weather the storm. Blair Cobbs didn't have none of that. And I, yeah, like once the wheels came off, like you ever go down the hill on a skateboard? Probably not. But if you ever go down the hill on a skateboard and you, there's a point, there's, there's a breaking point. There's probably a scientific term for this. But you're going down, you're going down, you're picking up speed. And there's a point where you pick up too much speed and the, the board starts to wobble. And it's like, this This is a scary thing. The board starts to wobble. You can't control it. You're going too fast. And the only thing you can do is fall. And uh, that's what Blair Cobbs looked like at the end of that fight. Just wobbling away with Alexis <laughs> Rocha just pounding on him. So, yeah, I, I, don't, uh, I don't think that there's going to be um, any other cont- uh, nominees here. So, uh, you want to toss out your next award? Okay, I was just thinking about it. I just thought about this award, like, as you were talking. Biggest career mismanagement. Oh, I, I, I got one. And see, I, I like this question because, like, 
there, I, I think there's a, a a handful of boxers who it's just like, like, what the hell are they doing? Like, what, like who is telling them what to do? Every decision they make is horrible. This like, should, I, I feel like this should be, this, this award should be like named after a, a certain fighter <laughs> who you're probably going to give this to. And I think is the wrong case uh, here, but I'll allow you to continue. So my nomination is uh-huh. Regis Progre. Yep. Yeah. Like this, this is this the, is the Regis, Regis Progre Pro award. award. It has to be. <laughs> like this guy's the biggest goof. He's doing training camps on Twitter. He's ta- he's talking about like, oh, I'm in camp. Can't wait for fight week. It's like, dude, you're not fighting anyone. Whoever told you like you have a fight coming up lied to you just to like make you think you're busy. There's no way you have a fight coming up. Sorry, bro. Sorry to break it to you. And then, and then, sorry to cut you off. He's, he's on like, boxing social ifl talking about he he wants all these names it's like dude like who are you you don't fight you fought three times in a year against like not impressive competition no one cares about you man like there's nothing to gain fighting like realize where you're at i saw a tweet a couple days ago that was really like it just kind of like one of those tweets was like makes you think but like it was it basically said we just program versus josh taylor was three years ago and it like puts into perspective, like, damn, one, you know, the passage of time is a phenomenon I, I, I truly do not understand. Thank God for the James Webb telescope for, you know, we could get the ex- explanation to these life questions. But like, it's been three years and he's done nothing. And if you think about it, he was like 30 years old when that fight happened. When is this guy's career going to get started? Now, with that said, though, I, I, too thought about this this handing out this award but i didn't give it to regis i gave it to a man who got sued by their promoter for breach of contract wound up working out a release then turned around signed with a promoter who is funded by drug money said promoter that's funded with drug money forms a partnership or hires or whatever the word is original promoter who was suing the fighter and in turn the fighter is now promoted by the same promoter it has gone full circle for my winner oshaki foster speaking of guys who've completely mismanaged their career and are essentially irrelevant beyond the hardcore level shaki is another fighter who like like, I, I kind of hate on boxing Twitter where people will, like, root for certain fighters because they have a relationship. And it's like, and I hate this in just real life in general. We can't overlook someone's coolness for, like, their actual stupidity. Like, some of the decisions some of these guys make, it's like, yo, what are you thinking? Like, you're, you're tanking your career. It's like, your, your coolness or the fact that you'll give me an interview does not, like, change that. Well. So throw Oshaki in the mix. Well, I mean, this phenomenon of favorable coverage for access is just not going anywhere. But uh, let's give let's do a fun one. Um, I Wait, feel like real we've been quick, a little... I would like to say real quick, yeah. if I really wanted to be like a funny, a wise guy, if you wanted to, I but of course you don't. I think you could nominate Canelo for that award. I don't think he'd oh. win, but I do think you could nominate him. If if our boy Deuce was on the podcast right now, I think he would nominate Canelo. Nominate or pick Canelo? One of either or. Okay. No. Well, I, to me, pick is this person won. 
nominate means like no i think canelo like is definitely worth here because like he 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 has the jamal or the benavides fight there for him um decides that he's going to take the zone offer but that means move up to 175 to fight bivol the 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 fight overall sells really poorly um nobody really watches the fight bivol smokes him they immediately announce the golovkin rematch a lot of signs to me indicate that that fight is not going to do too well and canelo is now going to start seeing his star begin to start fading and it, um, here's a tricky thing about that right eventually canelo is going to leave the zone it's inevitable the zone's not going to be around forever when canelo decides to go back on the open market and all these network executives see how terrible his pay-per-views performances have been they don't have to give him 60 million anymore well, i don't think well here's the thing they don't have to anyway like he could leave like let's just say canelo was like i've changed my mind everyone my feelings were hurt. I didn't like the comments Golovkin made about me having substances in my body. And he's like, I'm not doing this. And he goes back to Showtime or whoever. And I'm sure they'd, they'd love to show a Canelo fight. But when it comes down time to talk numbers, they're going to say, well, listen, you just lost. And not only that, you lost to a guy nobody knows about. And you haven't avenged that. And the numbers for that weren't so good. So we're going to start you off. And they'll say a number that's a lot lower than the Kayla Plant number. That's that's what's going to happen. But it, it, that, you know, that number is probably going to get lower as he fights further into his career. Unless there's some like breakthrough, which I, I don't see happening. But yeah, I think that's a, that's a good nomination there. Uh... There's a variation of this question that we can probably come back to later, but let's let's do a fun one. Let's do what has been um, your favorite fight of the year. I mean, like, do you want me to be serious right now? Well, I don't know how you answer this not being serious. Are you going to joke and pick a boring fight? No, I'm picking Charlo versus Castano. Too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like tricky, right? Like, like that fight, like for me, big, and exciting fights have like boxes. It's like there's high stakes, two skilled fighters. There's like a little bit of bad blood. Um, you know, maybe some championship belts on the line. Charlo versus Castano had it's like they it had every box checked. Like I, I even tweeted like a probably a couple like a month ago. I wrote, This is just my opinion, but Charlo versus Castano was my fight of the year. And there were people in the comments like, like, are you crazy? And it's like, yo, first of all, I said it's my opinion, but like, what am I supposed to pick? Like Wood versus Lay? Like that fight doesn't, it doesn't just check the boxes. Like that was like a cool little like rock'em sock'em robot fight. Those are, those are cool from time to time, but like it just didn't hit the same. Um, I, I just largely don't agree with that. I, I thought it was like, there, there were a lot of good fights, but um. <laughs> The the fight that to me the fight that's well my favorite fight is is Charlo Castano too. One I was there, which kind of biases me a little bit. Bias. But also, um, for me the fights of like the fights that I always really really enjoy are the ones that are the highest skill that's mixed with the action. And sometimes that means that they're not as action packed. I mean, like 
Because look, let's think about it this way. If you're looking for just pure violence, like just hit up 10 bucks ale, he'll he'll send you a clip of two dudes fighting literally in the back of a Ford van. And that fight will probably have like 400 landed blows, blood everywhere, and like a, a sensational knockout or three. But that's not always what I want to see. Like sometimes that shit is tiring. And uh, so Charlo Castaño was like high skill, high speed chess, as they say, uh, and enjoyable with a really conclusive finish. I think in terms of ebbs and flows, I, I really enjoyed Lubin Fundora. And then uh, if I were to hand out an award that is not my favorite fight, not the best fight of the year, but certainly like the the best fight that could have taken place in a bar, complete with both dudes slipping numerous times on beer on the floor, that <laughs> goes to Iago Kaladze and Victor Faust, who combined for the sloppiest and most violent, what was it like nine minutes of all time? They should do a rematch for that fight. That fight was really like, that fight was super fun and exciting and like just ridiculous are either guys like putting sentences together yet because <laughs> seriously that that fight was like yikes i don't even know who won that fight do you remember who won that fight it, um kildaze lost like it, i think the ref counted him out kind of quick and then like he almost like punched the ref or something like that like he oh, definitely yeah, did yeah, something right. crazy you're right. The fight. you're right you're right yeah yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, there have been a lot of fights that I really enjoyed this year. Um, but, but that one certainly is up there as like a, it's just going to go down as a memorable fight. I think for, for just how crazy it was. Like, that's the kind of fight where you show somebody who's never really watched boxing. Like, just watch this. You'll, you'll see why, why I like this shit. And then they watch that and they're like, yeah, that, that, that was two big meaty men slapping meat. <laughs> um all right what do you got let's see boom let's go with let's let's stay a little silly eddie hearn petty moment of the halfway of the year or whatever oh, shit i wasn't prepared <laughs> for this one was not prepared for this one <laughs> like see i was gonna just do pettiest moment of the year but like eddie hearn has like 20 probably that we could just ring off so why not just give him the award and pick his best, well, most petty moment? I don't even know, man. Well, I mean, you could, so we could just lead off and do make it easy and talk about how he continues to say Triple G versus Canelo is way bigger than Arrow versus Bud. Unlikely. Um, he's, his whole thing, you know, the thing about him and the pettiness, a lot of it in large, well, actually, you could say the the video he did where he was like moping around and said that Steven Espinosa doesn't like him and PBC doesn't like him. Um, yeah, I I, could, I really can't think of one particular moment off the top of my head. Or we could talk about how when he um, what song did he sing to Leonard Ellerby during the IFL interview? I did not watch that. <laughs> oh come on, you saw it on Twitter. It was all over Twitter. No, I I, I have a strict. If you can't sing, I will not listen to you. Like he, it just yo, hurts my he's ears. saying, "Ain't no sunshine," but he like remixed the lyrics to like Mayweather promotions losing Tank. It was like, "Ain't no sunshine when you lose Tank" or some shit like that. That's that's cringe. That's really cringe. <laughs> All right, my my award for uh, carniest moment 
of the year goes to Ivan Redkak, who posted on Twitter his Zelle information with account and routing number, asking <laughs> for money to uh, to help Ukraine. <laughs> Yo, that's so crazy. <laughs> I imagine. Ivan Redcash, if you follow him on social media, is like the biggest clown. Like some of the stuff he posts is just like ridiculous, but it's just pretty funny. Well, Greg was saying that like um I guess the Ukrainian community is not that not that big. And like he his family specifically knows Lomachenko's family. And like one thing that is known is that Redcack is kind of weird. And apparently, like, Red Cat tried to run up on Lomachenko at church once. What? That's such a random story. Again, back to the Jake Paul thing. There are a few places that are neutral territories. You know, the the church has to be a neutral territory. All the way. Uh, most disingenuous cry statement of the year goes to the Fight Disciples podcast who came out trying to expose the corruption around Taylor Catterall only for it to be revealed that they were like working with Daniel Kinahan, who no doubt had a hand in not just that corruption, but corruption everywhere. And those guys were on the payroll and then disappeared afterwards. Wait, I didn't know they disappeared, so they don't like do anything anymore. They well, I don't know about that, but I know that they they went silent for a little while, and they were like, "Nah, we always had this break planned." It's like, hmm. oh, really? Yeah, exactly. There's a a tweet that I had saved about it. This guy said Daniel Kinahan's. Oh, and and like Daniel Kinahan essentially went or offered a a, a statement to the fight disciples, which is like ridiculous. And then this dude tweeted out Daniel Kinahan's vow and fight disciple statement to offer to help clean up boxing somehow brings to mind OJ's pledge to find the real killer. <laughs> now, assuming you believe that OJ actually did it, uh, his, his pledge to find Nicole's real killer kind of odd. Uh, all right. Hit me with one. Let's do most inept announcer. Uh, well, I mean, there's only one answer for this. I mean, is there though? I, I feel oh, like. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm at the Go point ahead. where I feel each broadcast has one really bad announcer that you could acceptably fire. <laughs> I was. I thought you were going to say like you could ex- ex- acceptably kill, or or something <laughs> along those lines. So. Firing seems okay with me. I feel like that's pretty tame. Y'all, acceptably kill is hilarious. <laughs> so who so, do you so, want to kill? To be honest, like, I'm going to say Al Bernstein, man. I've had wow. enough of PBC shill goes all in, all in on the PBC hate. Did you get kicked? Never mind. You got kicked <laughs> out of the bomb squad again, didn't you? N- never. It's impossible. I'm, I'm, I'm for lit for life. With Bar- you got kicked out of the LDBC. That's more likely. <laughs> Look, the, the reality is with Bernstein is like one, like I've noticed since he's jumped on boxing Twitter that he's become like the anti PBC guy, which is it's it's not 
it's just not good for any broadcast to be anti anything because ultimately, as a fan, whether you're a hardcore or not, you just want to watch the fight, learn more about the fighters, learn more about what's going on in the ring. These guys are ringside, so maybe they see something we don't. You don't have to give us like backstory about like all this extra stuff. And out in Bernstein has just become the guy who's like he roots for the underdog in every fight. His takes about what's actually happened do not reflect reality. It's just whack. It ruins what should be a great broadcast. And see, I don't pick Mannix or I don't pick like Kriegel because the the zone broadcasts are usually a mess anyway. And it kind of same with ESPN because like Bradley and, and Ward are kind of like all over the place in their own ways. But I, but I don't think they need to be fired. Bernstein, though, he's like, he's dragging down the product. I've had enough. Um, you said announcer, not commentator. Well, I'm a commentator. I don't agree with you because I don't think he's anti-PBC. You know what he's anti? And if you look back, you'll start to notice this and, and you'll, you'll, I think you'll readjust what you said. Favorite? He's anti-A-side. Showtime, and I think HBO might have done this too. I guess maybe commentary tends to like to do this. It's kind of a bit of contrarianism. But like, it seems like they always want to support the underdog. They always want to tell that underdog rising above the the circumstances or whatever. I feel like that's more what it is. And so like, it, you see it a lot with uh, Bernstein where he's like putting over the dude who's ostensibly losing a fight usually. Um putting those guys over anytime that they got a little bit of success. That's kind of how I see it. There was a fight recently. I, I got to look at which one that he, he had like the score. He was saying it was like a draw or like the guy losing one. But like when I'm watching the fight, I'm like, yo, the guy winning, it, and you know what it was? It was the Jesus Ramos fight. I felt Jesus Ramos lost like two rounds. He was talking like Jesus Ramos needed like a knockout to win. I'm like, yo, what is he talking about? It's not reality even. It's not even close. Well, it's 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 close. It's just like it's like close. Like when it's like when you're saying like, uh, yeah, uh, like I'm I'm almost pregnant, which is not actually possible. You either are or you aren't. But it's <laughs> like nah. But like you know, I did everything. It just you know, my guys didn't do their job. You know, that's kind of what it is. Because like that that Jesus Ramos fight was just like he didn't need a knockout to win he needed a knockout to salvage our entertainment because it wasn't yeah, like, fun did to he watch did he perform in like a fun and exciting way no but like was he ever in danger of losing that fight absolutely not no no no, no. who yeah. do you who do you nominate or pick i'm curious um for worst commentator yes um i think i picked it's probably it's probably chris mannix Mannix is a very easy pick. I know. <laughs> but, like, even if I want to say somebody else, like, I just go back to Chris Max, like, nah, but I hate that dude. <clears throat> um, but on the other hand, I would like to showcase that we've had, like, I feel like this year I've heard a lot of people on commentary that were really good. So let me throw those names out. One, of course, our boy Corey Erdman. Come on, he's come on the show before. Corey's my guy. Um, I got to see him after what was the fight. The Virgil Ortiz, well, Virgil did not fight. The Blair Cobbs fight, actually. I you know I saw him after that fight. 
and like I'm not saying that because he, he, you know, I'm cool with him, but I think Corey is like really becoming like one of the best play-by-play guys. You know, that's a guy that like takes his job seriously and like really does the research and wants to like make sure he brings as much to the broadcast as possible. Um, I thought he was good. I thought Sinicia Estrada also on the the zone broadcast was really good. I thought the team of I think it was Corey um Sinisa and Sergio Mora actually was very good. And and Mora has been pretty a lot more missed and hit lately. I think uh is it Jessica McCaskill that they have on sometimes? I feel like she's not bad. You know who I respect although I don't think he's that good as um Chris Algieri. Oh yeah, I was going to say him too. Thanks for bringing him up. I think Algieri's becoming pretty good. Uh, I feel, yeah, there are times when, like, he, I, th- I feel like he's a little boring and uh, doesn't bring, like, the, the color that you need for, like, the color uh, positions, but he is pretty good, you know? I, I don't mind listening yeah, to that dude. I, I appreciate that he's, like, I think he understands what's required to be good, and he tries really hard to do that. He doesn't always, like, knock it out of the park. Like, he's not always the most exciting. Sometimes he is dry for sure, but he's, like, He's trying to give you insight into boxing, which is great. And he's trying to be objective, which is also great. And yeah. I, I like I like that he's trying to be that. Um, before Showtime took a pretty big break between uh the Charlo fight and then this past weekend with um Max Ayo and Vargas, I, I thought Abner Mars was becoming very good. He he's he's always gonna have a bit of like a a stuttering and stammering, but his analysis, <clears throat> if you ignored his delivery, had had started to get really good. And he was and what he's good at is he's, he's good at pointing out things and doing it in a simple way so that he doesn't have to over explain anything. You know, he just kind of jumps in, says his piece, and then like dips out. Um Abner's good. I, I like Bradley. I know that Bradley grates on some people and he has his moments where he's just like over the top, but but like I think on the whole, I, I I don't mind listening to Bradley. I don't mind Andre Ward either. I think Andre, depending on the fight, he does have trouble with his own biases. But overall, um, yeah, those two guys are good. And then everyone else, like, you're just like, you're either like, you, I don't even notice you on the broadcast, or you're Brian Kenny and I hate you. <laughs> Um, Bradley's definitely good when he's not being like totally ridiculous, like eating fried chicken, like on camera. I wasn't fried chicken. It was like a sandwich. Whatever. He's just, he's some, or throwing money around. Like when he's doing that, it's like, all right, bro. I think you you need, like you need that every now and then, you know, you got to keep it light sometimes because that's the thing. Boxing for so long has been so stuffy and like so full of itself. Then that's like a holdover from HBO. But like, Sometimes these broadcasts need to be fun. And, and that's the thing. The Tank fight, um, the Tank Roly card was a, like the perfect example of like the broadcast not matching the fights, specifically the Tank that, that, fight. Yo, real quick, that, that was embarrassing in my opinion. Yeah, well, I mean, Moro wasn't available, so that's what it was. Moro would have been so much better suited to call a Tank fight, but Barry Tompkins... Al they call him Tompkin. Like, shout out to Tompkin. I really like him when he does show box. He gives you that, like, 
like that old uncle vibe that's just like, oh, it's like I can go chill with like Uncle Pete or whatever. He's a good guy. He's never going to do anything wrong. He's chill. But like, this is a tank fight. Like, hip hop stardom is out there. Madonna's out there. It's lit. It's explosive. And you send this old boring guy. Like, what are you thinking? Like, yeah, that was a mess. Like, they should have, you know, who they should have got is a, what's my guy's name? Oh my God. Black dude that he, he has like the most crazy calls. Ah, oh, man. Gus Johnson? Yes, they should have got Gus Johnson. Like, whatever, give him one shot. I mean, Gus just needs to come back to boxing. Period. His uh, calls everywhere are exciting. I've actually met him in person, and I think the reason why he he struggles well, I don't say struggles, but like he doesn't get the opportunities that you probably think he deserves is in real life. He is a ghetto ass dude, really, and not ghetto like in a negative way, but he's like super proud of like where he comes from, and he doesn't give a fuck basically. So that broadcast with him and Akib to leave, probably fire. I'm not sure what that is because I'm not a big football guy, but Akib to leave was a cornerback, and uh, let's just say like his style of calling the games is to keep it real. Mm, okay, okay. <clears throat> like um, Gus Johnson is the type of guy who makes show up to work with like a do rag on and not think twice about it. Well, Shannon Sharp does that. Yeah, but Shannon Sharp is also an entertainer. Gus Johnson is supposed to just be like a guy on the mic. <laughs> Your play-by-play guy <laughs> with the with with the do rag on. I, I mean, I'm down for it. I'm definitely down for it, but I don't know about like the people who are hiring him. But e- either way, like the guy's an amazing announcer, and I I would love to see him in boxing m- more frequently. All right, so let me give out my award for uh, the John Cena Award for miraculous recovery from major injury in a very, very short amount of time. That goes to none other than David Diamante, who broke his back, (laughs) (laughs) broke his back, severed uh, ligaments and arteries, and and literally was being held together with uh, metal and machinery, recovered fully, walking around, smoking cigars, Back out riding his hog on 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 UK broadcasts in like three months time. Yo, it's so funny. Like as you were reading off like what the award was, I was thinking of fighters like who had a nice little bounce back, and then you throw out Diamante. I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, the, the Johnny Straws Award for uh, acting performance goes to David Diamante. The best was when like. He got on Twitter and like posted the pictures of his like x-rays and then like a day later he does like a 20 minute IFL interview explaining what happened and how like the doctors helped him through rehab and stuff. I was just like, all right, man, you're rubbing in a little thick. Well, I mean, like the thing is, didn't somebody show that the 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 x-ray was like you could find it on Google Images? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, this one's on page two. It's like it's just as fake as like the dog in you x-rays. <laughs> The dog in you x-rays. Those are hilarious. Also. Uh, we should do that award. Which fighter displayed the dog in them the most? Hmm. This is one like I could take a little serious. Um, I mean, like real quickly, I want to say Fundora, but I feel like there's like a better pick that I'm just not thinking of. That's not a bad one, though. That that I think he did show that he had the dog in him. That's I think a, you could like, give like a tie game. award, like Fundora and Lubin both like went through hell for that fight, and like unfortunately someone had to lose, but both guys definitely had the dog in them that night. 
Um, yeah, Lubin did show that he had some dog in him. I'm not going to lie about that. Uh, I'll tell you who it wasn't. It wasn't George Cambosos. <laughs> when we were talking about glow down, George Cambosos' name definitely should have been thrown in. Yeah, we, we kind of messed up there. Cambosos, that, like, that dude came into 2022 riding high. Yo, let's like let's really recap the whole like breakdown situation. Like this dude was going from fight to fight, talking about he was the king, and how like people have to come see him in Australia or else he's the king, and like he won't accept anything less. Like who was he? He was saying like certain fighters weren't exciting enough and don't deserve a fight with them. He was on some like real ridiculous like nonsense. All right, uh, can I um? be serious for a second and give out the dog in them award. Let's give that to Usyk. I'm, Usyk. I'm with that. Usyk didn't fight this year. You know, we, we know that, but he goes, beats Anthony Joshua's ass and then goes over to Ukraine and starts fighting Russians. You got a little bit of dog in you. If, if, if you're doing that. All right. All right that, that's, you don't, want to throw, you don't want to like lump in Lomachenko. Apparently, Lomachenko was doing firewatch, so like he <laughs> he he wasn't doing no dog shit. <laughs> but we'll throw him in there because like I'm gonna tell you this: I ain't going to war. I'm not even gonna work security. I'm not even gonna look at the gate. No, thank you. Send someone else. I will sit here mostly because I'm not missing any fights. Like this is too important to me. But uh, Lomachenko. Usyk, dog in you. Um, yeah. Uh, I just pulled up another award that I'm gonna like, but I- I'm trying to think of anyone else that, that that really showed like they got the dog in them. Um, Ray Vargas kind of showed it. Ray Vargas definitely showed it. He there were times in the fight where he was getting like smacked in the face pretty good, and he stood up to some pretty you know legit punishment. I'd say. Um. All right, I got one. I got one. We got a couple. One, Luis Ortiz. For for standing up to Charles Martin, the god? Literally standing up to him. Like, Charles Martin put this dude down round one, round four. Luis Ortiz out there with 43-year-old legs, and we're going to put 43 in quotes. And... That was such a fun and, like, <laughs> unexpected fight. Like, I don't, I don't want to say it was, like the, like, the best, like, in terms of action. But I think from, like, what people expected going in, Versus how it played out was pretty good. I mean, like, no one thought that Luis Ortiz was one gonna, well, I mean, like, maybe some people did, but no one thought that he was gonna just like brutally stop Charles Martin. But no one had on the pool circled Charles Martin's controller disconnects and then <laughs> Luis Ortiz goes to work. No one had that. I think Stephen Fulton, like, really showed he got the dog in him, um, just whooped. Danny Roman, who's a very good fighter, whooped him. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other dog in them. John Ryder versus Danny Jacobs. All right. <laughs> I had John Ryder for um, the the award or the winner for the uh, guy who didn't deserve to win a fight, but we're just going to roll with it because it's funnier this way. John Ryder <laughs> getting a decision over Danny Jacobs. Yeah, he could definitely keep that award. But yeah, John John Ryder. It's crazy that that happened this year, man. I wonder if Danny Jacobs is he. He might go. He might go. Mikey Garcia, low key. Uh, 
well, the second half of the year, the, the Mikey Garcia, uh, I don't deserve to get beat like this anymore award <laughs> goes to Danny Jacobs. I mean, it makes sense, right? Like, he got a bunch of paychecks from Eddie Hearn. He's not as motivated. Like, where do you go? Um, yeah. And you're not trying to make 160, probably. Oh, another glow down? Or let's just say, like, the award for uh, totally botching your title position and then getting embarrassed for it, Dillian White. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like the the also, like, the, the played themselves award. But, yeah, didn't quite end well for Dillian White. Dillian White went from, like, UK's, like, underdog savior to, like, we don't care about you very quickly. Uh, I mean, where is he? Even? Like, this guy was doing interviews every day talking about uh, WBC mandatory, Wilder, whatever, whatever. Like, where is my man? Well, he was, like, trying to sue the WBC. Oh, I forgot about that. And the That's WBC right. is going to get the last laugh because they're like, I mean, you still want to sue us? Maybe Eddie's just keeping him fresh for that AJ rematch after Usyk goes to work. <laughs> so that dog comes out in Usyk again. Exactly. Um, all right, next award. What do you got? Let's do biggest incorrect narrative of the year. Oh, there's 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 too many here. This is like like a fucking. I have one podcast. that like I, I I wrote this question to complain about this, but I don't know if you want to go first. You can. No, 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 go first. Okay, my pick for biggest incorrect narrative of the year is that anyone other than Tank at 135 is the man. I see people who talk about this on Twitter. I see like, like Lou DeBella types talking about how Haney's the guy at 35 because he's undisputed. No, no one other than Tank at 135 is the man. You're not doing pay-per-views with anyone else. You're not doing record-breaking gates, record-breaking attendance with anyone else. You're not having every celebrity that's hot and in the area at your fights if you're fighting someone other than Tank. No one else at 135 is a man other than Tank. Let's get it right. Uh, well, in, in trying to think of, of something here, I, I messed up, and I you, you said Pettius Eddie Hearn moment. Correct. <clears throat> so let's go back to that. <laughs> <laughs> so I just – so essentially – the, the summary of what I'm about to say here is that Eddie Hearn is basically becoming Frank Warren. So, um, remember when Eddie was, like, talking shit about the tickets for Fury versus White and how there was no way there'd be, like, 85,000 people for that fight and all that stuff? Yes. This also fits the biggest incorrect narrative because the fight sold really well. There was a lot of people there. There was a legitimate 80-something thousand people or whatever the number was. Uh, people really did come out for that fight in the UK. So, and and like I saw people on Twitter like trying to figure out ways to make that correct. But in the end, Frank Warren, old fish eyes, got the last laugh. Got it done. And honestly, I'm kind of happy for him. I mean, I'm not mad. I like, listen, I'm probably the biggest fear hater there is, but like when someone does their thing, they do their thing. You got to give them their credit. And that, that thing sold, man, you know? So let me uh now dish out the award for biggest Fury hater of the year. <laughs> give, give me that award. Baby. And that award goes to Artman, who is still tweeting about Fury. Lex has at least moved on. So you can't get the award. You've moved on. 
the fight's over. The trilogy's done and dusted. Deontay's going his way. Fury's going his way. Artman not letting it go. Artman, I actually DM'd him about this. I told him he doesn't have to tweet about Fury daily. It's just like, it's, it is what it is. Like, the most recent update we've had on him is that he can't travel and nothing else to talk about. He literally tweets about Fury daily. It's so crazy. <laughs> uh, never mind. Uh, all right. Let, let me hit you with an award. Best going back on your word. That award will go to DAZONE, who announced this year <laughs> that three years late, they will be introducing a pay-per-view option uh, for their product. Yeah, the whole pay-per-view with DAZONE thing, that's just not a good look at all. Well, it's not a good look that they're they're they've they're doing it after what they said. It was always a good idea to have pay per view as an option. Like they, it was so dumb of them to close the door, um, because boxing fans were used to it. Like you weren't gonna like there was nothing to gain by choosing that as your selling point. You, you back you they were backing themselves into a corner. They ultimately did. They're they're now behind the eight ball with their product, and like. They've got to change it, and now they're pissing people off. It was just a dumb thing to do. It was an unforced error, essentially. Um, they dribbled the ball off their foot, and it went out of bounds. Really, that's 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 what happened there. But um, but yeah, they uh, that also could more be like also they tried to like they tried to Carlton Banks the situation, steal the ball from Will Smith, and shoot the buzzer beater, and it just like was a total air ball. <laughs> um. And also one of the biggest, like, because you said like um, false narratives, will be that no one understands how their pay per view pricing works. To this day, I like I don't remember how it works, but I do know that there are like things are separate in terms of you ordering a pay per view versus you getting like a monthly, like a month. Um, let me see, let me see some of my other awards. I still got a couple. I have like let me no, see. I have I got... a lot. But I, I have scrolling around. Ten more, I think, that we could, I could throw out. Throw one out. Let's do. Let's do. Let's do. Biggest WTF moment. It's definitely got to be. Let me think for a second, actually. <clears throat> I have one in mind. I'm not sure if it's like the one, but. I have one in mind, too. But let me hear what you got to say. Like off top, and again, these are reactionary. I didn't, I don't, I didn't come into this podcast with like a list. Off top, I want to say Canelo losing a bivol. I think that's too easy. You know, that's what I mean. Like it might be. Like I think a lot. Like I don't remember the odds, but I think Canelo had just reached the point of like boxing, like immortality that like Floyd and Pacquiao kind of hit. I think that was a perception. And when he lost a bivol, it was like what, like. So he lost on the zone and no one watched or talked about it. It didn't trend. It was just like one big like head slapper. Like what? <laughs> I think it was a couple. One being um Golden Boy like mixing out on the Charlo Munguia fight. I don't think that's I, I see, I don't think that I once I learned how that the fight fell through, I knew exactly what was going on. But sure, but this is a what the fuck moment for if you're a fan, because it's like, what are we doing? Um Another one, Mark Kriegel's uh, shitting on Black Lives Matter and uh, the whole, like, you know, that whole movement in order to put over Usyk, who we put over, too. But we didn't, like, 
diminish anybody else's like causes for for justice like Mark Kriegel did. Um, While we're on the topic of Kriegel, we could also bring up how he made fun of the guy who like boxed nobody and then ended up dying like two days later or whatever. <laughs> um, the whole situation with uh, Julio Cesar Martinez stepping in to fight Roman Gonzalez, moving up in weight, and then still blowing weight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was a good one. Um, Dillian White's whole situation with, like, it, like no one knew if he was actually going to just cut, like, if he was actually going to take the Fury fight. You, you know, low-key would be a good pick for biggest WTF moment of the year is, like, the whole Joshua exclusive to zone thing. <laughs> Like, I'm still, I mean, we talked about it offline, but it's still, like, weird to me. Like, like what the hell is going on over there? <clears throat> um, This post from Reddit, which I've saved because it just, like, I love it so much. This dude posted, who would win is the title. And then the body is, who would win in a 1v1 street fight, a pro boxer or a gangster who is really about that life? Like, nothing but fist, assuming <laughs> they are the same size. <laughs> Uh, I I love this. Like, I I really don't understand. Like, what difference does it make if they're really about the life or not? <laughs> like, well, who? Like, what? Like, imagine the person who wrote that. Like, are they above or below, like, fifteen years old? And if so, like, have they ever stepped outside of their house before? Uh, it's it's got to be below. I I'd imagine. Um, also, um. Jack Catterall beating Josh Taylor, getting robbed of the decision, and then when he got put back into the WBO rankings, was just slid in at number three. I don't know how they did that, how Tiafimo was ranked above him. Uh, that was pretty ridiculous. I don't know. Nothing with the WBO surprises me, though, at the same <clears> time. It doesn't surprise me, but it is pretty funny. Uh, Daniel Kinahan also, like, just, like, Showing that a lot of these dudes just like don't know what they're doing, post getting posted on Twitter and Instagram by that like Pakistani dude, essentially tying him to Probella. <laughs> like that way to fun. go uh, again, unforced error. What about boxer tweet of the year? I feel I like know... that's got to. I, I definitely had like a social media like category. I feel like it's got to go to Caleb Plant for ethering Ray Jackson. Uh... I think this is dude's name. I had that one for another one. <laughs> but I mean those those that like back and <laughs> forth like was like a, a six ten round for Caleb. Uh all right. So you, you definitely win that one. Um but can we just say if we extend it out to social media in general, the Dimitri Bivel YouTube channel posting Canelo videos? <laughs> Wait, I didn't think I saw that. Yeah, Dimitri Bivol has a YouTube channel, and the dude was literally posting Canelo training footage on his channel. <laughs> now, Yo, that's hilarious. I'm not saying that he's actually the one that's posting it, but I mean it is pretty funny. What about the uh, the best real estate deal of the year? That would go to Tyson Fury, who bought a mansion in Nevada, and then subsequently was banned from entering the United States to live in said mansion. I don't feel bad. The Cat Williams uh, Shouldn't Have Been Talking Shit Award goes to none other than Chris Colbert. I was going to say, I had to be Chris Colbert. And then uh, 
one Hector Garcia came in and said, uh, eh, eh. uh, I feel like I should not give out an R. Kelly award. Mm-hmm. But there is an R. Kelly award to give out here. Dangerous territory. And I'm just going to say, I'm not going to say the name, but he might have gotten in trouble for sending nude photos to a underage girl. I know you're talking about. Yeah, I know you, you do. Um, Let's see. What I got one. Got? Easy one. Easy one. Easy one. Most depressing division. Um, Probably 160. Agreed. Yeah, I think middleweight's just kind of like, it just, it literally just needs one fight. Like, there's one fight that, like, one fight. So, essentially, like, six months could flip everything. But we're, like, one fight away from the division starting to get hot again. Um, Okay, award four. Let me pull this up here. So, I got to read it exactly. So, I got an award for um, best moment where a fighter threatened uh someone on Twitter boxing. <laughs> I think someone's gonna rack up two awards during our uh, midway review. Let me read the tweet. The winner tweeted this. If you're gonna spill news and talk shit, get the facts right. Nobody just kicked me to the curb. We had differences, but keep running in your mouth. I'm bound to bump into you. The winner like- is Jamel Herring for going at the kid Irv 24 on Twitter. I didn't realize that was Jamel Henry. <laughs> <laughs> he deleted it, but, uh, you know, deleting is cheating. And Discord is permanent. You were going to go with Discord uh, lasts forever. You were going to go with Ray Jackson? I think so. But if I had known about this Jamel Heron tweet, I probably would have picked him. <clears throat> um, Let's do. Let's do having the roughest year so far. Chris Colbert <laughs> or or uh, John Real Casimero. <laughs> That's a good pick. Oh, Guillermo Rigondeaux for uh, literally like lighting off a bomb in his face. Like almost lighting his face <laughs> off on fire. Well, you saw the, uh, the, the picture of him, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I mean, we shouldn't joke about that, but it is kind of funny that uh, his, his ninja foodie like, I don't know. I mean, that, that speaking of like divisions that are like low key a disaster, like whatever. What is that? Like, is it is it Bantam or he's at Bantam? Bantamweight went to shit really fast. <clears throat> like it, it was exciting, and then like instantly became trash over like two weeks. Best lawsuit. Best lawsuit. <laughs> the 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 dude who's su- uh, who's trying to sue Kinahan. What's this guy's name? Oh, Jojo Diaz, uh, one-time award winner. Uh, his his manager is suing Kinahan. Yeah, that guy. Trying to hit him with the Rico. I like it. Uh, but nah, mine is going to go to Terrence Crawford for suing top rank for racial discrimination, <laughs> amongst other things. It's so funny that like there's actually multiple picks that you could make for this award. <laughs> um, what else you got? Um, let's see. This one's tricky. It'll be hard to think off top, but I still like it. Promoter award for best genius matchmaking. 
Ooh, this is a good one. We could do a whole podcast on this. A hundred percent. The well, the first one that comes to mind is Shakur Valdez. Not in a now, million years. Okay, so here's the thing, right? I think there's genius matchmaking for narrative sake, and then there's genius matchmaking for like actual entertainment. Does which of these two boxes does that by check off? Um, narrative, because it obviously yeah. wasn't a fun fight. No one was entertained by that, really. I mean, it was a little, it, it was slightly more impressive that, or entertaining than the average Oscar Valdez fight, but it was by no means like a great fight. Agreed. Um. So yeah, I really like that one. Could we just go like like bonehead matchmaking? I mean, we, like we could throw out anything. Like I low key want to throw out Brooke versus Khan. Oh yeah, I mean, dude, you you love that one. You were like jerking off to that fight. I mean, now that's genius matchmaking. Like it's not one genius of my new matchmaking. favorite. It it's is not though, genius matchmaking. Let's, let's call it what it is, right? What am I telling you? This is the, what it's not, and you're like, no, let's call it what it is. It is. <laughs> this is my new one of my new favorite scenes. Let's not overthink this. Okay. This is a fight that people have wanted to see for like a decade. It doesn't. It's it's all about entertainment. We don't care how washed either guy is. They're both super washed. The the great thing is they're both going to talk trash. They're going to put on a good show. Someone's going to get their ass beat. Like that's great matchmaking. It's just too easy. Like, you're right about, like, you know, you're right about everything. But I also think it was just a little too That's fair. Um, There's definitely a lot of good picks, man. Because every, I would say, like, at least once or twice a month, there's a fight that creeps up. And you're like, ah, you know, cool fight, but whatever. And it ends up really delivering or even over-delivering. And I, I just can't think of each of them at the moment. Well, yeah, I mean, like, there's, because there's different ways to measure genius matchmaking. Um, and then there's the other side of, like, just galaxy brain matchmaking that never made any <laughs> give me, sense. Give me an example. It doesn't have to be this year. It could be, like, anything. Uh, anyone versus Christian Hammer. <laughs> I can't okay. stand watching that dude fight. Uh, well, galaxy brain matchmaking was the, um, the Jesus Ramos fight versus Lucas Santa Maria. It's like... Anyone could have told you, yeah, he's going to struggle. That's a tricky matchup. Like, Santa Maria is going to be hard. Literally, any prospect, Santa Maria is going to give him hell. Because that dude, like, he's able to do a lot of things in the ring. And it's hard to just, like, like he's a slippery guy. No one's going to, like, you know, that is, like, that was dumb matchmaking, in, in my opinion. I totally agree. <clears throat> um... Gary Antoine Russell versus Victor Postal, I think, was really good matchmaking. That's a good pick. I'm trying to think, like I'm like I have a list of all the fights that has happened, have happened so far this year, and I'm trying to like there's got to be a couple standouts. Well, I mean, even going back to something we talked about already, but Alexis Rocha and Blair Cobbs was really good matchmaking. Like, yeah, that's a good, that's a very good pick because that fight, like, even though it got one side, it was definitely like entertaining to watch. Like, it get delivered on, like, the entertainment scale, in my opinion. Well, and then this is the other part. Blair Cobbs had reached a point where he had to fight somebody on Alexis Rocha's level. And so, Golden Boy, like, Vic, Virgil Ortiz was probably a little too advanced. That would have been a step back for him. But, like, you you basically were, were put into a corner. Like, you got to give Blair a tough fight. And anyone who watched him fight knew... 
had to have known, yeah, he's not going to be able to, to like, really... He's not going to do much with a tough fight, like a tough fighter. He's going to probably lose. So you might as well make sure that you put him in position so that when he ultimately does lose, you gain something out of it. And what they gained was, like, one of their other fighters who got really smoked by Rashidi Ellis now got praise for beating Blair Cobbs. And like realistically, like Alexis Rocha is kind of a little higher than Blair Cobbs or not Blair Cobbs. Um, than Rashidi Ellis in terms of like people like buzz around them. I think that's valid. I, I like that breakdown. That's a very on point breakdown. Um, well, did, it's, it's, I want to throw out real quick. I want to throw out an apology ahead of time. I feel like I could see someone hitting me or you up and being like, how could you forget about this? Listen, guys, I made the list of awards and didn't think about any of the recipients. I'm going off top here. So be gentle with me. As we tend to do. Uh, I don't know if this is good matchmaking or, or bad matchmaking, but it's one of them. And it's uh, Robson Contasau versus Xavier Martinez. Hmm. I, I'd say good matchmaking. I think, like, th- like th- it's top rank good. Like, when I say that, I think top rank oftentimes makes matchups based on, like, an outcome that they want. And this worked perfectly, like, up to, up to like, the plan that they wanted. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it got what they wanted. I mean, it's probably not good for um, our boy... Xavier Martinez, but it, it did everything it needed to do to like establish Robson Contesau as like a legitimate dude at uh 130 pounds and not being there just because he got this moral victory by being in a close fight with Oscar Valdez, which you're not wrong to think that he deserved. Valid. Um, yeah, but I feel like there's a lot of like good matchmaking fights think of too many others that really stick out that i really liked i mean maybe that's like a whole other podcast a we probably could do a whole podcast on a lot of these right well probably at the end of the year we could probably summarize a lot of these things it's probably what we will do if somebody reminds us tend to forget these sorts of things um all right that was a good award though what other, what else do you have let's see i have left on my list I'll read a couple off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, biggest found gold, uh, biggest overachiever, mm-hmm. most disappointing moment. I, I, I'll hit you with most disappointing moment. Let's do it. The most disappointing moment was Boots knocking out um, Castillo Clayton. Why? That's such a random pick. <laughs> because, one, I think the punch was behind the head. and But, like, throwing that aside... It was disappointing because, like, that was a really, like, perfect moment for Boots to really show out and to, like, show off a lot of his arsenal, and he didn't get that chance. It was just another guy that got in there, and Boots, like, accidentally knocked him out. And so I I, I was disappointed in that fight because I really wanted to... I thought Clayton would be a lot stronger, a lot um, tougher, and able to last a bit longer so that, like, we could see more, like... Because, like... You still got people out here doubting that Boots is a top tier um, 
like prospect like or or the best in boxing i guess he's not even a prospect at this point and like i, I mean it's really clear the future of boxing is, is boots and like i don't know it, it's just another fight where we just don't get to see it fully on display and i think that there's there's a lot more to boots that we i mean that would be nice to see but i mean i'm not like hating on him like the dude just keeps knocking these dudes out what's he gonna do no it's, it's definitely not hate i mean i like I get frustrated with the boots like talk sometimes because on one hand, if you think he's not amazing, you're insane. Like boots is hyper talented. He'll probably win belts at 47, 54 and potentially 60, which is that's rare air. And like, he's unstoppable force right now, but I, I get annoyed at like, like people are so quick to throw him in with certain fighters or like talk to the Ugas or Thurman or Errol or Bud and be like, yo, face boots. And it's just like, you guys are clueless, man. Like, that's it's not how it works. Like, can we just like stop this and be realistic for a second? Well, his time is also going to come. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Oh, his time is definitely going to come. But like, to to like, to, to stay in like a boxer's mentions, like Ugas, Thurman, Errol or Bud to talk about face boots. It's like, yo, get real, man. Like, all those guys last fights made, they were paid millions of dollars. Not million, not single, but multiple millions of dollars. Custio Clayton is probably getting like $50,000 to get smoked by boots. Like, let's. No, he let's got paid more than that. How much do you think he got paid? A few hundred thousand. Boots opponents get paid pretty well. Boots okay, so you get paid a few hundred thousand to get your skull bashed in. Like Boots is legit. No, no, like championship level fighter is fighting Boots without there being like millions of dollars attached to it. So let's cut that out. I don't even want to hit. To be honest, I just wish Boots would go to one fifty four already. I like shout to Eco. Eco, that's my guy in the Patreon. But he was like Boots versus Rashidi Ellis, perfect fight. And I'm like, why? Why do you want to see Rashidi Ellis? get his face bashed in by boots. It's really unnecessary. There's only three fights that I would be interested in seeing boots at, at 47 or boots in whatever it's arrow, Bud, and Keith Thurman, he's beating everyone else stoppage. So uh, I, he I, probably I just, beats all three of those guys too. That's very, and that's the thing is that's very possible. He boots is so good. He could realistically beat those three guys. Yeah. Like back to back to back. I don't really want to talk about him at 47 even. He needs to get to 154 because then we could get to we could talk about fights where like guys are more built to be able to deal with no. what he has to offer I and vice versa. Disagree with just, that. The, the matchups will just be better. I disagree with that. I don't think I think what Boots brings, 154 doesn't have anything to deal with it. 147 does. I think that Terrence Crawford and Errol bring something to the ring that will trouble Boots. But 154, the only guy we're talking about is Jermel. No. Nah, okay, what about Fundor? You think he would just smoke Fundor? No, nah, Fundor is Fundor. That's a completely different thing. Like, Fundora can, like, conceivably get to Jermel the same way he does everybody else. I love how Fundor else. is just, like, the X-Factor guy because he's six foot seven or whatever. I mean, yeah. That's, like, I mean, it's not even fair to bring him up because it's, like, I mean, all bets go out the window because it's, like, oh, okay, um, Lubin with the pedigree should be able to figure out this dude. Nah, no, sir. That did not happen. Um, what about Boots Castano? Nah, Boots. Yeah, that looks a but lot. But great like the fight, Jamel though, fight. right? 
Oh, for sure. But like, but I, I well, assuming Boots doesn't like accidentally knock him out in the second round, but like, I think Boots versus all these guys would be great fights. I think Boots is going to have a style that's going to be really entertaining to watch uh, as he starts to get tested a little more. Yo, Boots knocking out Castano in like three rounds would be nuts. I mean, it'd make the uh, the eventual Jamel fight crazy. Can we get to the award of uh, best mistaken identity? Yeah, sure. I don't know who the hell I'd nominate, but yes. It goes to none other than Lou DiBella, who called up Robert Garcia to lay out the master plan for George <laughs> Cambosos, uh, ranting for minutes on end, letting him know that the plan was for, you know, George Cambosos to have a big American fight, maybe even in Australia against Ryan Garcia, only for uh, Robert Garcia to tell him, hey, uh, I think you meant to call Roberto Diaz, the Golden Boy matchmaker, not me, Robert Robert Garcia, brother of Mikey Garcia. Yo, that's such a funny story. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. The, the funny thing is, like, Robert Garcia just went and did a YouTube video, like, completely telling the whole story. <laughs> so, yeah. like, Debella doesn't even get, like, he don't even get to pretend like this didn't happen. How about the uh, the best or worst, I guess, maybe best or worst, forgotten boxing platform of the year? Ring City. Well, I was going to go with Triller, but Ring City is a good one too. <laughs> but like, yo, if if you're still getting charged two ninety nine by Triller Fight Club, Triller Verse, whatever, you need to cancel that. Because it's done. Yo, how crazy is boxing that, like, Triller comes into the scene, onto the scene, and, like, all the writers are, like, so hype and excited and, like, pumping it up. And now it's just, like, they're broadcasting, like, Kovalev fights at, like, heavyweight or whatever. Uh, It's not crazy at all. I mean, like, <laughs> if, you, if you really think about it. Um... It's very on brand for boxing, I suppose. I have a couple other ones, but I think they tread on the the mean side. I don't know. I don't know if I want to do the mean stuff. Yeah, I'm pretty much tapped out. So I won't award the Chris Benoit Award for uh, scaring people with their social ominous social media posts. <laughs> I won't give that award out. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I will. Uh, I guess we should just cap it right there. Do you have any other awards? Maybe you've got uh, your own awards that you want to give out. Maybe you want to add some nominees that we should uh, consider. I don't know. Maybe we'll have to do a round two of this where we name all the great suggestions we get. Uh, how you can do that, go over to patreon.com slash sundaypuncher. Hit the, there, there's multiple tiers you can sign up for depending on whatever you want to do. But $1 gets you access to the chat where you can then give out your awards. Um, any final words for you, Lex? Nah, man, I think that's it. Um, Worst Ryan Garcia versus paper uh, of the year goes to what's my guy's Luis name? I'm blanking right now. Ryan Garcia fights this weekend, though. Some garbage <laughs> at Tony Harrison while he was on stage during a press conference. <laughs> uh, all right. If you guys like the podcast, do us a favor. I almost got jabbed. Truly, it, it is a favor. Go leave us a good review on iTunes. Five stars only. If you give four stars. That means that, I don't know, that it means bad things about you, okay? So give us five stars only, please. We would definitely appreciate it. If you uh, 
you didn't want, if you don't want to do that, then don't have a good day. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Shout out to our patrons, uh, Patreon subscribers. We will be back next week.